Welcome everybody to our eighth episode. So today is gonna be a little. We're gonna try out a different format. Today is gonna be me interviewing Mr. Zhang, Robert Zhang, who, as some of you may know, is a young hedge fund founder that fun- you, founded his hedge fund while he was still in college. Very impressive. Um, so today we're gonna start off with some basic questions, overview questions about Robert's um, career, his fund, and uh, Robert is also gonna provide the audiences some practical, applicable uh, financial advice. So stick around for this very amazing, hopefully amazing interview. Yeah. Thanks everybody. Hi, this is Robert here. Um, So today I'll be the one that's being interviewed and uh, uh, by my co-host partner, uh, Roy, and uh, let's let's get ready started. This is also our episode uh, seven, eight, uh, eight. Okay, eight. yeah, we finished our seventh episode, mm-hmm. episode eight. Uh, very, we're very excited. Uh, this one will be hopefully can bring you guys a lot of quality content yep. as far as uh, financial advice and other things like of that nature. Uh, I'm excited. Let's yep. get to it. So since uh, not everybody is a financial expert, we're gonna start off with questions that mm-hmm. um, on the entry level. Okay. Yeah. So no. You manage a hedge fund, yes. so why don't we start with the most basic question. How would you describe a hedge fund? Mm-hmm. How, how, how would you explain how a hedge fund works? Okay, so, so yeah, so, um, the question of how, what is a hedge, uh, a hedge fund or any investment fund? Okay, so we go uh, starting from the beginning. Okay, I think uh, I want to sort of to answer the question, to answer the question, okay? so. Um, why do people need to invest their money, right? So because hedge fund is a it's a it's an entity that takes your it could be a limited partnership, could mm-hmm. be a uh, INC, could could be a sole pr- pr- proprietorship as well. That for people to invest their funds, their capital resources, mostly cash, into your fund and have you manage the money for them, and and then you create a fee structure, well, where you would take some performance charges, you would take some management fee and that people still get their return afterwards. So why do you need to invest your money? Uh, the answer is very, it's very simple actually. It's because it's because of inflation. Okay, so because um, you put money in the bank, uh, the bank doesn't give you much interest these days. Um, some anywhere between 0% to about uh, 2%, right? Uh, most banks, depends on, your, depends on your relationship with them, fall somewhere in between that. So, but however, real inflation rate is uh, with a strong economy or a regular economy, it's always about two percent, two point five, something like that. And for emerging markets, right, for countries who are growing mm. tremendously, who are growing fast, such as China, for the last twenty, thirty years, inflation averaged around eight percent. Mm. So, and during a year, top out at twelve point five percent. That means what does that mean? Okay, inflation meaning your real dollar purchasing value goes down uh, if you hold the same amount of currency mm. that you hold. So let's say you have $1,000 in the bank, right? If you get a 5% inflation next year, that $1,000 can only get you 900, uh, if you have 5% inflation, right? That can only get you um, less purchasing power moving mm-hmm. into the year afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. So, but if you, let's say you have $100,000 in the bank, then 2% inflation could cost you $2,000. That's actually a lot. And mm-hmm. most people um, who have decent income right, have more than $100,000 in the bank or uh, then you lose more, right? Mm. So uh, this is definitely an issue for everybody. Uh, doesn't matter if you only have 100 bucks, then you lose $2 every year, right? Um, if you have a million, then you lose $20,000 every year with 2% inflation. Mm-hmm. But with a 12% inflation, you could be losing, right? If you have a million in the bank, 
and you lose $120,000 already, right? Mm. That's a super fancy car or something. So um, that answers the question, why do we need to be invested? Why, why do our money need to, need to be invested? And then it comes in different forms. Let's say there's a, a mutual fund, uh, which uh, there's Vanguard, there's Blackstone, uh, the, these uh, big, big entities, they offer you mutual fund. They charge you a low fee, but they put you into an index, okay? Say, uh, they basically, they buy the market for you, like everything on the market, meaning let's say Dow Jones Industrial Average or S&P 500, they buy these things for you. Um, it's long only, long only meaning they only buy these things, they hold them, there's no short position, there's no, uh, it's just a long position, mm. and they charge you a pretty small fee these days, about 0.6%, 1%-ish, so a uh, very small fee, but you're not hedged. Uh, so you might want to ask, what does it mean to be hedged? Being hedged meaning, okay, let's say if the economy takes a downturn, like in 07, like the 2000 dot-com bubble, like the 87 stock market crash, and then many crises before that, right? Uh, the whole stock market could go down uh, above 20%. So in that scenario, right, if you invest in those funds, you take a big capital loss, right? So especially for people in the later stage of their career, the later stages of their life, uh, say you're saving up, saving up for, for retirement, things like that. When you're 65, you're ready to retire, then your net worth goes down 20%. Certainly that's not an ideal situation. Mm. That's why those funds, new mutual funds are, they do charge pretty low, but there is a downside to it as well, because it's more of a, let's say they are the regular um, Dunkin' Donuts coffee. They're the dollar McDonald's coffee. They're not Starbucks, you know, they're just the mm. regular mm. Off services. They, most people who stay in mutual funds are just fine for them. Is it less risky? Yes. Are, generally speaking. Um, right? Well, actually, um, it's it's the the risk is the economical risk of following the market. Basically, so the read on the bigger cycle. Yeah, the bigger cycle. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then when the cycle comes, you can't avoid it. So, mm -hmm. and for most people, uh, we advise as a fin independent financial advisor, I advise them to be investing in index uh, mutual funds, and mm -hmm. uh, those are those do okay for them. Uh, so now comes to the original question: What is a hedge fund? Mm -hmm. A hedge fund um, is designed for institutional investors and high net worth individuals. Okay, so um, high net worth, you can define high net worth individuals in many ways, right? Uh, these days, people are, uh, in, terms, in terms of dollar amount, uh, tend to be richer these days. So mm. um, I would say $500,000 above to uh, actual capital to be invested. Let's say if you have 500,000 laying around or above, you can basically get into the minimum requirement for any hedge fund. So there is a minimum. It's not mm. like say you can just invest 10 bucks into a fund. Mm. Uh, however, you could invest $10 into an index fund. That's definitely- so no minimum. Yeah, mm -hmm. just no minimum, you, whatever. I, I think I think 100 is minimum, but yeah, okay. very small. So, um, so, but for hedge funds, normally it's 500,000. Uh, my fund, it's a, it's a, it's a startup hedge fund. Um, we start friends and family around at $100,000. And then later on, we took on investment. Anything above 250 is fine. So yeah, so we're a little bit smaller. Uh, we're taking lower minimum. Also, I want to serve the more of the middle class kind of crowd, uh, if you may say. But yeah, but for uh, generally uh, larger, medium to larger hedge funds, um, they have a minimum. 
and uh, they're designed for institutional investors such as say pension funds right uh, USC would mm-hmm. your school would have a lot of uh, pensions laying around right mm-hmm. endowment funds right um, the Los Angeles Police Department have like a five billion dollar you know pension fund for mm-hmm. the, all their policemen those money to be invested right? mm-hmm. we're talking about money used to be invested in because of inflation not just because for your own wallet but also for these big institutional money as well mm-hmm. right because mm-hmm. they they can't just put them there and their whole mm-hmm. treasury so yeah so and then um, so for hedge funds we do charge a higher fee uh, because we uh, specialize in uh, mm-hmm. supposedly in good hedge funds can beat the market mm-hmm. which you would call alpha can create alpha mm-hmm. that means that means beating the market average um, okay. no matter the times no matter it's a downturn it's an up it's up around no matter the times supposedly mm-hmm. okay beat market all the time so okay. and uh, that's the reason people pay a higher fee higher premium to get in them and to protect their assets I see so in your heart, what's the number one hedge fund in the world currently? Uh, the number one, mm, the number one hedge fund. You, you mean institution, not in, institution, not in individual investor. Okay. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Bridgewater. Bridgewater, Bridgewater right, the number yeah. one. Yes, uh, they are yeah. the largest. All right, 180 mm-hmm. billion assets. Right, that's uh, more than a lot of countries. Mm-hmm. Mm, so, um, yeah, it's the wealth. Um, they are, uh, they are a system. They're a machine. It's built by the famous Ray Dalio. Um, they are, you know, they have about 2,000 employees in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Um, I've been there once, actually. Um, it's, it's, it runs like a machine. Uh, it's a limited partnership. Um, I, I have no doubt the fund will run, continue to run well, even after the value, uh, let's say, steps down or leaves or uh, 20, 30 years down the road when he, when he, when he departs the world. Uh, the fund will run well mm. uh, because of the structure it creates. And okay. also it's... Uh, Self-sustainable. Exactly. And, and there's a couple other good ones as well. Uh, uh, third Point by Dan Lop. Uh, I like the th- th- Third Point very much. They manage about $5 billion. Mm. Um, they do well because uh, he catches all the trends, right? When Amazon uh, was at 12 bucks, can you believe that? Now it's at $1,200. Or um, mm. was up $2,000 a month ago, for sure. He, he, he caught that early on, right? Um, there's other funds like uh, we're locating right in Los Angeles. Um, Oak Tree Capital by Howard Marks. Uh, mm. It's a, a multi-asset management firm. Uh, they have bonds, they have treasury, they have um, equity, equity meaning stocks, right? Um, they have emerging market equities. So that's a good uh, fund as well. They have, there's Double Line Capital, it's in Santa Monica. Um, so pe- surprisingly, people don't know there's actually finance industry. There is a lot of finance industry in Los Angeles. Uh, Double Line Capital, they manage 120 billion in assets. It's a bond, it's a bond focused fund. Mm. Uh, Funded by Jeffrey Gonlock, it's another good fund. So yeah, there's a couple there. I see, I see. So what makes a great hedge fund? What do you think some of the most important factors are that you look at? Uh, the most important factors as a good for good a hedge, hedge fund. fund. I would say the the people who are in charge to run the hedge fund are have to be good investors and also mm-hmm. have to be responsible business owners. Um, hedge funds are in terms of employee size are relatively small. The biggest one we just talked about, Bridgewater has 2,000 employees. That's considered huge in the industry. Mm. Uh, most of them, let's say, um, I personally know one hedge fund called Greenwood Assets in Hong Kong. Um, he, I know him personally through, through a family. Um, they have about less than 20 people, um, but they manage um, 10 billion, no, actually 11 billion to year to date, 11 billion assets. Um, Mm-hmm. U.S. dollars, so it's one of the largest funds in Asia. Uh, started okay. ran by a, a 
local Chinese person grew up in Shanghai as well. So like, he's one of the Chinese uh, finance industry mm-hmm. titans, right? But the fund is, has less than 20 people. Mm. Uh, so the principal of the fund or the CEO or whatever, mm. whatever you want to call that, the funder, uh, the owner of the fund, really, uh, his spirit really matters uh, in terms of running the, the whole company, right? Mm. So, and also to be prudent but confident investors, to, to, to be fiduciary in a way, to bring clients benefits and also uh, to be aware that sometimes your own ego as an investor could get in the way uh, mm. of, your, of your client's money, right? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's a lot of uh, factors coming into it, but I think uh, when you think of the great investors, the Warren Buffett of the world, yep. the Ray Dalios, uh, these are good managers and good managers of money. Yeah. I see. So for some of the audiences that may be interested in putting their money in a hedge fund, mm-hmm. when do you think is the right time? What kind of requirements do we have to meet before they should start thinking about this? I would say uh, have $20,000 saved. $20,000 at least ready to invest. Yes, yes. That's, okay. uh, I, I would say um, then you can come right to me. Uh, okay. Obviously, that's lower than our minimum, a lot lower. But uh, there is a way to, we have a more of an alpha portfolio and we have a, a less of a market mm-hmm. kind of tracing average beta portfolio uh, that we can do for you. It's, it charges lower fee. Okay. Uh, it's more, a little bit more passive, not as active. But twenty thousand dollars will get you going. Uh, I, I see. Did, I did that for a mutual friend of ours who works at Amazon. You know who he is. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, so yeah. So I would say have have about five figures saved. Uh, you should be and, and it shouldn't and it, and again uh, mm-hmm. as a f- talking from another standpoint as a financial advisor is that um, saving matters for people. I think especially mm-hmm. for millennials, we, we talk about uh, the first episode delayed gratification. Yeah. And a big part was that was a spending habits delayed gratification, right? Mm-hmm. So um, when you when, doesn't matter what kind of job you have, uh, you can make 40, 50 grand a year in the United States these days, right? Mm. Uh, doesn't matter how, how I mean, some people make way more, obviously. But if you make the regular basic income of 45, $50,000 a year in the United States, you should save about $8,000, $10,000 a year. You should save 20% of your income. And see. you might complain rent and all that stuff is too expensive, but it's definitely doable. And once mm. you save that, understand that money uh, could go go on to be invested, right? I and see. just one example, quick example right there, for people who, let's say, saved up, um, or, or people or for people who, who love to spend, right? Every time you buy a $200 Nike shoe, you could get three shares Nike stock. Which one is a better purchase? Mm, Long term, right? So yeah. the stocks are worth about 73 bucks. That's, yeah. that's after a 20% run this year. It was $55 last year, right? So, but you buy the shoe, you bought a product, so. I see, I see. Yeah. So speaking of <coughs> saving habits, can you share with us some of the um, fundamental economical financial principles you think everyone should be aware of, be mindful of, and should follow, regardless of their career? In terms of saving. In terms of saving, yeah. uh, having better financial control over their lives. Yeah. Uh, I would say uh, manage your life. Okay, so two, two things really. Uh, one is literally you got to think of as the money you have, it could be purchasing power. Also, it could be investing power as well. I mean that by every time you spend, especially on the things you want, not the things you need. So let's say if I need to get from here to New York City tomorrow, uh, a flight ticket is what I need. It's not what I want, it's a necessity. But flying first class is something I want. Mm. So you should fly coach, okay? Mm. Because that's something you need. You, it gets you from point A to point B. Right? Mm. So um, let's say having a you know, a car to commute in Los Angeles is kind of necessity these mm-hmm. days. 
but having a fancy car is a want, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or, or let's say having a place to live is a need, obviously. But you could, you know, squeeze into a five people, uh, five people um, shared space that pay mm-hmm. five hundred bucks a month instead of having a nice fancy apartment. These kind of things. So understand what's a need, what's a want, and then stick to a need at early on, early uh, stages of your life because the wants can come later, and the the extra amount that's saved can be invested. Like I said, every paycheck, um, I I tell my friends who are who are similar mm-hmm. ages, a little bit older, some. Um, in their 30s, but every paycheck I say, let's say every other Friday, you know how the ACHD director exactly comes mm. in for every company. For every other Friday, you get your paycheck. Let's say that paycheck is two grand. You should save 800 bucks. You save about 40% of every paycheck. Mm. That sounds a lot, but it's but if you do it paycheck by paycheck, it's doable. It's just literally a technical uh, tactic, if you want to say. Uh, I, again, we use our friend, our mutual friend at Amazon, for example. Mm. That's what he does now. Every paycheck you save, so I told him a, a, a magic number that we mm-hmm. both agree on when I became his financial advisor. That number he needs to save that. So every time the paycheck comes, he transfer that to his investment account first. Mm-hmm. Then the rest do as the hell you want, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's a very technical way to put money aside first. Mm-hmm. Understand that's going to a four hundred one k, that's going to your um, IRA, that's going to your hedge fund investing, me investing, anybody investing, whatever. Understand you got to put money aside first then spend the rest. You can't be like, okay, I want to spend $20,000 this year. I want to spend 5K this year. Then just go on and live your life like you always do. By the end of the year, you realize that you save nothing because that's always what happens. So, mm, so, so determine your lifestyle through your current income instead yeah. of the lifestyle yeah. you yeah. want. Yeah. So you recommend generally 20% is a good, yes. good benchmark. Yes, yes. At an early age, uh, as, as the more the possible, but yes, 20% of, because I do understand a lot of people mm-hmm. have debt a lot of people have debts. Um, yeah. They need to pay off their credit card debt. They, yeah. uh, the good thing is, the, the, well, the number one thing I advise is don't get into credit card debts, right? Um, and uh, some people have student loans, things like that. So pay off the debts when you have a clean balance sheet, mm-hmm. I think for your individual finance, a clean balance sheet, then you can start investing. And I would say 20% of what you earn might look like a lot, but it's not. And that mm-hmm. money, um, changing the mindset of, Every time you buy a new product, let's say the Apple AirPods, they're small, they're cool, they're functional. Mm-hmm. I use them when I work out, but hey, you don't need them. I don't need them either. I work to a certain point or lucky enough to a certain point, I kind of can't afford it, but sometimes maybe it's not for you. And that can buy you Apple stock now. So stocks are down mm-hmm. now, it's a 150-ish, so you can buy that with the AirPod money. Right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. But that stock grows over time because that's mm-hmm. what you think is a good company. And again, you don't have to do it for yourself. You don't have to literally buy these stocks. You can go to mm. a fund that will take care of um, the technical analysis part for you. But understanding, but we can't help you saving. You know, that's the mm, number yeah. one thing a financial advisor always tell their clients. We can't help you saving. Yeah. Right. That's so, got to be your own decision. That's got to be your own decision. So yes. after someone saves that 20%, mm. they accumulate some a certain amount in their savings account, in their investment account. Um, w- I mean, obviously, when it comes to investment, there's a variety of things that people can invest in, right? From mm-hmm. valuable metal to crypto market to real estate. Mm-hmm. Do you think the stock market should be people's first choice? Mm-hmm. If so, why? Mm-hmm. Great question. Great question. Yeah. This, uh, this is a, this definitely after you realize the importance of investing. This is probably the most frequent question people ask, and mm-hmm. it's a high quality question. Um, and I will use a high quality person's quote to answer instead of myself. Warren Buffett mm-hmm. said, 
he always preferred the stock market over the bond market, over the real estate market, over other assets during throughout his lifetime. So granted, his lifetime is from 1930-ish. He was born in the 1930s. Really, you know, start uh, buying stocks when he was 11 years old, mm -hmm. 1946. Mm -hmm. Then started really becoming a businessman in the 50s, right? Uh, then that was an economical boom in the United States, obviously. Mm. So he became a businessman from in the, starting from the 50s, uh, Bob Berkshire Hathaway in 1964, and then now till today. So, um, but his, his advice, still a sound advice. The reason that is, okay, so you, uh, we, as a, as a, as a financial advisor, mm -hmm. or I'm a hedge fund towards all my clients, um, there's two steps we, we must take when you, when you find, when your client com, com, com comes in. We understand your income situation, Mm. Then we determine, and this is, uh, it's, we're not that unique. I mean, everybody, every other major fund they do, they all do this. This is like industry standard procedure. Mm. So the first step, we understand your income, understand your structure, how much, let's say, leftover actual capital, things like that, things like that you have. Then we determine your, your uh, strategic after allocation model. So that is, let's say, if you are a, um, someone who doesn't have a house yet, right? You come in, let's say you make $80,000 a year working at it. Uh, some company like working at a let's say a cybersecurity company or or insurance company whatever. Okay, say you make eighty thousand dollars a year. Uh, you're twenty five year twenty five years old. We would want you to save twenty percent. At the same time, when you get married and you're ready to buy the house, we want you to buy that house. So mm. that's your real estate. That's your real estate investment because the first house you buy actually solves a spending problem for you because that takes care of rent. Mm. So every time, every month, you might still pay two grand, but that's not rent anymore. That's mortgage payment. Mm. That's money towards your own investment. Mm. Eventually, you own the damn thing, right? Instead yeah. of somebody else owns it, right? Yeah. So that investment, we encourage them to do. Mm -hmm. But later on, after that first house is out of the way, real estate becomes investment, right? Because second home, vacation home, things like that, we care about the value mm -hmm. because you don't. Mm -hmm. It's not a. Necessity anymore, right? Or in Chinese, it's not. It's, not, it's, not, it's what not what you need. It's exactly. what you want. It's what you it's want. First yeah. class, right? So it's not necessity anymore. Mm -hmm. And in Chinese, the gangshu, right? It's not mm -hmm. gangshu anymore. So then, what do you do? What, what do we recommend? Then you gotta look at all those potential real estate purchases as investments. Then we look. Okay, say you buy a house in downtown Los Angeles or Palm. Cap rates around. You, there's real estate experts out there. The real estate investment fund, right? Mm -hmm. uh, just like we are equity focused stock market uh, fund. Um, they'll tell you it goes up about 4.5%, 5% a year. At downtown LA is, uh, you know, rural, and depends on the location as well. At mm. these mature US, major US cities, right? Mm -hmm. So in these cases, if those go up 5% a year, and for the last 10 years, uh, you know, the S&P 500, which is the, the, U, the US stock market uh, index, went up 11% per year. So which mm -hmm. one is a better investment? Owning that place apartment or buying the stock market? So obviously the answer it has been buying the stock market, right? So these are the cases that are um, uh, one of the reasons that we recommend stock market over um, real estate or uh, commodities, metals, or bonds. And 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 the, but it's not the most important reason. The most important reason is that you are going along to join the journeys of some of the greatest companies in the world, mm. and they definitely grow faster than other assets. Mm -hmm. The growth, the tremendous growth that. Uh, mm -hmm. A company that Elon Musk built, PayPal. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. not talking about Tesla. I'm talking about PayPal mm -hmm. that he built a long time ago, and yeah. he no longer involves in it anymore. Right? Yeah. Well, Peter Thiel doesn't involve it anymore, but the company still grew tremendously.
And if you want to pull up the chart of PayPal starting uh, when we went, when they went public till now, that stock that company has outperformed every other I mean every other asset other than other mm. stocks like bond or anything else mm. in the space because you're growing because they are providing value. There's actual mm-hmm. there's actually business going on with earnings, with intrinsic value, with other things let's say gold, metal, um, even real estate to some extent. It's about scarcity. Right. It's about, let's say, uh, this year, because people feel mm-hmm. risky, they want more gold. Right? Mm-hmm. Next year, um, people feel less risky, they want to put capital back to work, then gold prices goes down. Right? Mm. It's up and down thing. Right? But there's no gold that went up a thousand percent from, you know what I'm saying, right? Because the business isn't growing, the earning power isn't there. So okay. you want to find things that have value. I see. But I've heard theories about yeah. um, precious metal like gold yeah. that during the previous world wars, yeah. they are the kind of value that was able to withstand sure. global economic shifts. Sure, sure. And not instead of foreign exchange or stock market. Sure, right? sure. So what's your take on that? I mean, uh, mm-hmm. At those times, gold is a good hedge. Like special so so there here. is use for those things. Okay, yeah. okay. But over longer term, we recommend the stock market because you are falling. Because stocks are pieces of paper. They're worth nothing. I'm not saying the pieces of paper worth anything. But mm. they represent an ownership mm. in some of the greatest companies in the world. Right? Mm. Some, some bad companies as well. I mean, there are, there's bad companies in the stock market. Well, don't don't, don't get, get me wrong in that sense. But, you know, it's, it's you if you... That's why we do the job for you, right? So hedge funds... Uh, especially equity focused, the stock focused hedge mm-hmm. fund, we are stock pickers, right? Mm. Picking the right industry, yeah. the right company at the right price. In the right for, time. At the right time for you. Mm-hmm. Then the return is yours. So that is how we operate. I see. Yeah. So if somebody's, well, hopefully after listening to this podcast, is more interested in or at least more knowledgeable about mm-hmm. stock market investment. Um, so I think like Ray Dalio said before, it relies mm-hmm. on smaller and bigger economical cycles, right? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. always ups and downs, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So looking at 2018 and 2019, where do you think we're at mm-hmm. in the economical cycle? Because there's been a lot of people saying that every 10 years, mm-hmm. there's a downturn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So current outlook, um, this is uh, what, do, what I do a lot, obviously, with mm-hmm. my colleagues, uh, things of that nature. Um, with current outlook, for people who been, who have been following the market closely, um, the context it's given, uh, it's been the market has been down a lot, especially this month. Mm-hmm. Uh, the U.S. stock yeah. has sold off fifteen uh, percent actually, so it's the second largest so, uh, sell off in the month of December of history. Of history, the second largest, the first one, the biggest, the largest one was in nineteen thirty one. So what will happen? Uh, this was uh, after the Great Depression, before World War Two. This was uh, yeah, that was a, that was a volatile time. I see. Yeah. So and there's a fundamental reasons going on in the economy. Um, but now uh, where we are is that we are, especially for the last two months, um, the market's de-risking, right? So mm. uh, I'm gonna get more, little bit more, a little bit more mm-hmm. advanced here, okay? Mm. If you, if, if the, the, explain the, yeah, de-risking. Yeah, I will. I will, yeah. I will. De-risking meaning taking leverage off. So um, funds who own stocks sometimes. Let's say a fund has a million dollar invested from the clients. Mm-hmm. They could own two million dollar worth of stocks because they have le- they have margins. Mm-hmm. They can they can use leverage to use borrowed money to buy. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. sounds very dangerous and it is very dangerous. Okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But people do that. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just how it is. Um, or regular funds could have a million dollar in their bank account uh, that's from clients invested. They could be a hundred percent in, mm-hmm. as in Zhongwen, as in Man Chang, as in hundred percent in. 
so they could have 100% invested, right? Mm. So that's a, a super bullish, very massive long position to hold. But then de-risking meaning, okay, they might they think what their view is that recession is coming or something volatile is coming on, or there's so many events that are happening, they might need to take off some of their equity stock positions. Mm. They de-risk by meaning, let's say they have a million worth of stocks, they go down to six hundred thousand dollars. Mm. So they, they so they create four hundred thousand dollars of cash oh. by doing that process. But in the stock market, it's 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 a simple price and demand. It's a supply and demand, right? Mm. That if more sellers are there, then st- the prices go down, right? Yeah. Then when they de-risk, obviously the price go down. But that way they create more, they want more liquidity. They want to create more cash. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, that's really how that happened. And and uh, to, and I mean, there's there are reasons to be concerned. Okay. Um, there's obviously the G20 meeting which just had passed uh, US-China reached an okay agreement to finish something within the 90 days right mm-hmm. uh, it's a step forward but the trade war rather been going on right since the President Trump Trump uh, has, has got elected he has his reasons right but China has its reasons as well right? mm-hmm. uh, I'm not going to be uh, making a political comment here but yeah there, there are reasons for both sides uh, from a competitive economical nature right so um that's that's concern number one. Concern two is yeah, we have we have had a long cycle mm-hmm. for the past ten years. If you just buy the index, you return eleven percent a year, mm. and that compounded right uh, without doing the math in my head. That compounded, you triple your money already. Yeah, from ten years ago. Yeah. So um, and and that you said one thing that's very profound is that uh, this this has nothing to do with what we're talking about in terms of finances. In terms of the technical of it. He's talking about the social context of it, okay? Mm-hmm. I want to jump to that in, in a second and come right back. Is that he's saying, because of that tremendous return for the, in the market for the last 10 years, right? People, things 08 till now, 18. People who own financial assets got mm. a lot wealthier in their wallet, I mean, on paper, and also real wealthier mm-hmm. than people who don't own financial assets. Mm. So, but people only meaning the people who work for like a corporate, you know, uh, the, the, the more standard corporate companies who have 401k accounts set up for them. Mm-hmm. They all become like 401k millionaires, things like that, right? Because when you work 10 years, you have money saved. A million these days isn't that much money, you know, in a way, mm-hmm. right? But they have, they become like these $500,000 uh, mm-hmm. 401k account owners, things of that nature. And people who don't own financial assets, let's say you could be running a good coffee shop as a small business owner. Mm-hmm. And you can you could still you can make as much as um, let's say my friend works at Google Cloud or at Amazon AWS, right? Yeah, you can make mm-hmm. that at running mm-hmm. a sort of coffee yep. shop. But at Google Cloud or at AWS, they invest the money for you. They there's a four one k plan. You match mm-hmm. that, and, you, and 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 those and 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 some of these people they have their own investment financial advisor. I see. Like me as well, right? So, but a coffee shop owner could, let's say, he probably doesn't know too much about finances, uh, and he's not really educated on money. He he did the right thing, quote unquote, saying he put the money in the bank. Mm. But over ten years, he's got a lot poor in the society than these yeah. people who are invested. You're missing, right? So, and but their real income is the same every year. Yeah, their real income is the same. But yeah. because so, so so that's what that is about. So that creates a social and we're talking about and, and the coffee owner is still in good example because he he still has cash flow income. But f- even for uh, people who don't so, invest, so some small entrepreneurs are at great risk. Yeah, yeah, and and, and also for for the bottom of society, sixty percent mm. who have less than what is uh, I read a stat the other day. 65% of Americans have less than $5,000 in the bank or something. Yeah, right. probably so, true. Yeah, so, so those, then they didn't grow their wealth at all. Right? Yeah. But, the, but 
that, that's the key thing though. But people, some, 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 some people say, okay, but minimum wage when uh, I work at McDonald's 10 years ago, I get paid seven bucks, now, inflation. Get, paid, now get paid 13. Exactly, inflation. Wage growth doesn't catch yeah. inflation growth. You have to invest. Yes. That's how you catch that or beat it. Reminds me of, uh, I um, talked with somebody that ran a marketing agency for 17 years in the mm. Bay Area, pretty mm. successful. Mm. But she looked back and did some calculation mm. and told us, if at the time the money she spent on coming to America for college and then investing in his in her business, she spent on buying a house apartment in Shanghai, by now she would have made more. <laughs> yes. Compared to her she yes. running a marketing agency. Yes. Which yes. is kinda of like the coffee shop example. Yes. Right? Yes. And my advice is to, is to do both. My advice I think is so, because the previous one the, the agency was probably more a more satisfying career for her. Yeah, right. yeah, and you create cash flow income and cash and, flow. Yeah, and and, yes, and, yes. and the thing is, Shanghai thing could be, um, could be a guess. I mean, it's it's a gamble. It's a gamble. Now, yeah. Now you know it went up that it's much. It's easy to look back and yeah, say yeah, yeah. it's easy to now you know it went up that much. But what about real estate? Pro- what if you were born in Brazil? What if you were born in Venezuela? Yeah. Or would you be better running off business or would you better running better exactly. real estate market? It's yeah. not. I mean, as much as everything go down, I mean, as much as everything can go up, they mm-hmm. can go down. Always yeah. remember that. Stock market, same thing. Mm-hmm. Same thing as real estate. Yeah. Same thing as Japanese real estate back in the eighties. Yeah. And same thing, shall I say, will happen to the Chinese real estate market at some point. So, mm-hmm. as much as something can go down, especially the volume, the velocity, mm-hmm. the speed of it, mm-hmm. it could go down at the same volume, same velocity, even faster speed. Mm-hmm. Look at Bitcoin. <laughs> look yeah. at other assets. Yeah. And Chinese real estate market. There I say there are parts that will go down even faster than it goes up so it's there's nothing that's like forever it's like a forever mm-hmm. because, because uh, for the people it's, it's almost like this sense for the people in the US especially younger generation for the last you know uh, 10 years they believe in the stock market they um, they ask that question is that best investment and that question has been answered because it goes up 11% a year they triple their money right mm. so they almost think stock market is like a god you put in the, the money mm-hmm. uh, as long as they do what they, they so so granted give them credit they they've done the first step they saved and they put their money into the market yeah. they actually put them into work so kudos to them but however they think it's almost like that so it can go on forever the ball can go raging the raging ball in front of new york, york stock mm-hmm. change can go on forever and they always make money that's the somehow the, the mistake in the u.s Mistake in China is if you buy a house, if you own a damn apartment, you're gonna be rich forever, right? Yeah, the yeah, more you buy, the, the wealthier you are. Yeah, yes. for the last twenty years for China, right? That's true. So yeah. and for um, been true for, for the, the more techy, anti-government, hip crowd for the last five years, if you own Bitcoin or you own any cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. you'll go on forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. So, yeah. but <laughs> that was a sentiment exactly this time. Pre- in 2017. In 2017, last year. That was right. sentiment. It hits time. all-time high. Like I, right remember, this time. I remember the last Christmas. It was yeah. hitting like 19,000. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And when it was hitting 19,000, nobody was saying it's going to... People were saying Everybody 50. Was people were saying yeah. 50. 50 was a new number. 100,000. 100,000 like A million. Next, next a year, million. price target 500,000. A million, right? Yes. You just need to own one. Just buy one now. Because yes. like, 19,000, granted, for a lot of people, it's a lot of savings, right? It's probably... Mm-hmm. For some people, it's, all, people it's, it's all their savings. There are so, people that took loans to buy Bitcoin. So imagine... That's leverage. That's what we're talking about. De risking mm-hmm. meaning leverage, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, yeah. yeah, but with margin calls alone as well. Hedge funds take on loans in a way, right? Because mm-hmm. you want to buy more with margin. Anyways, so, but imagine 19,000 is a lot of money for a lot of people. And then, um, yeah. that might be the only savings. Let's say they didn't take on loans. The guy saved just 25,000 mm-hmm. for his like, first five years of working. Mm-hmm. And he decides to take 19,000 to buy one. 
mm. Bitcoin at that time. Wow. Perfect reasonable at the time. You know why? Because you just said people saying it goes to a yeah. million. So my mindset, that person would be, hey, I just need one, right? Because mm. all, right, all I save is nineteen thousand, but I'm just gonna buy one, right? Mm. And one, you you told me somebody said on TV, tell me one's gonna go to a million. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna buy one. That's enough. I don't need to own 100, right? Millions mm-hmm. is enough for, for my life, my family, all that. But what happened? 19,000? What is it now? Three, yesterday I checked, 3,900. Almost back, right, went up a little bit. Back to 4,000 now, right? But then you lost all that savings and you can rebuild it up. So there's risk and everything. That's why the second step is you come to us, we talk about a strategic asset allocation model, then we determine what's, what works best for your finances and you leave the investing job for us. Um, that's why we're professionals. And that's why the US stock market is 97% institutional investors. Mm-hmm. So 97% funds, you know, in Chinese, it's mm-hmm. um, 3% retail individual investors. China is 78% individual investors, 22% funds. So would you say that creates more volatile market? Yes, yes. and the US used to be like that. Before the 50s, US was more Mostly individual. individual. Yeah, mostly individual. Then they I got see. washed out. A couple of crises, they lost their money, they start crying, and, and like, then they like, no, structure let me give money to the, <laughs> the <laughs> to profession. The, yeah, to the real players, not me. Yeah, <laughs> because it is uh-huh. a serious profession. And uh, just like any other profession, like say you would give a digital marketing company uh, mm. PPC ad running, right? Yes, uh, they yes, do that. Yes. It, you can't assume your company can uh, do everything, right? Mm. Yeah, just it, it's, it's it's like that. So um, this is a serious profession, and people and people um, should should uh, should consider after they decide they can they have the ability to save, they have the willingness to save, mm. and they have assets, and they want to protect them, hedge them, and grow them. Grow, the most important thing is to grow them. Okay, um, then 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 you need to find somebody you trust. Doesn't have to be me, but have uh, one of the funds uh, and to be and remain invested. That's, that's mm, my yes. So let's jump back to the previous question yeah, back about to the cycle in 2018, yes. 2019. Yes. So uh, back to the cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I've said, for the last 10 years, everything grew, everything went on, and all that. Uh, 2019, my outlook is okay. pretty simple. Q1, Q2, Q3 will have a pretty big bounce, about 10 to 15%. Okay, next year you guys can check the podcast for proof, right? <laughs> I said it beforehand, mm-hmm. not afterwards, right? Um, because, uh, you know, we started selling early October, October 14th-ish, till now, uh, S&P 500 went down from 28, 2890 to 2200 as of close today. Um, it's, it's 25%, almost 30% decline, right, from the high, right? Uh, this month went down 15%. So, where is the fair value, right? You look at the U.S. economy, we're talking about U.S. stock market, so for U.S., uh, economy is still very strong. Mm-hmm. We're growing at 3.5% last quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, previous two quarters at 4%. The tax cuts still in effect. So we are still growing at a much in understanding for the size of the US economy growing at 4%, 3.5-ish. That's huge, tremendous volume, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which the economy is doing well. Unemployment rate is in 20-year lows. 20-year lows, unemployment rate. So uh, that's what traditional you know economists look at, unemployment rate, right? Uh, as indicator of uh, how uh, efficient, how how efficient and uh, of the economy how, how it is because uh, people are at work, right? Mm-hmm. So that's how efficient determine how efficient it is. So, uh, but the reason why people de-risk because a lot of things are coming political risk, right? Uh, we have we're gonna have another presidential election coming up soon. Uh, in twenty nineteen, he's gonna have to run his campaign, right? Mm-hmm. Twenty twenty is the election, and we have the uh, U.S. China trade disagreement and a trade war, if you don't call it, right? But um, uh, oh, oh and, and the most important thing, we have the Federal Reserve increase funds rate. Okay, mm-hmm. I didn't mention that. The, the key role a Federal Reserve plays in 
uh, overall economical activities and uh, in financial markets uh, asset prices. Uh, because uh, Federal Reserve, basically, they have monetary policy that they determine uh, interest rate. Interest rate meaning your rate on borrowing mm -hmm. uh, and your rate on saving, right? So you go on a low rate environment, you can get a house, you can get a mortgage for 4%, 3%. That's like almost buying a house for, I mean, for no interest, right? So, mm, yeah, right, right, yeah, right. So, yeah. And you pay that off 30 years, right? So basically, the government gave you a house, I mean, mm -hmm. right? Because you don't have the money at that point, but you get to living it for, for 30 mm -hmm. years, and, and by the end, you'll pay it off and with 3 4% interest, right? Uh, at the higher rate, you sometimes could get to 6 8 9% mortgage, right? Mm -hmm. So then you really, then there is a payment involved, mm -hmm. right? So there's a real uh, you know, um, interest involved. Then savings account, same thing. Um, let's give a random example. For uh, outside of U.S., Japan, right? Uh, the Japanese Central Bank has kept interest rate at zero percent for almost twenty years now, mm -hmm. and the federal funds rate is minus point one percent. What does that mean? You put money in the savings account, they charge you a fee. They don't want you to, your money to be in the savings account because their economy is being slow. Or yeah. this whole topic for another day, obviously. Uh, but since nineties, yeah. their economy slowed down. They need people to put their money to work to into capital activities, meaning. Uh, putting the stock market that so the companies can use those shares then to do to, to accomplish economical pro productivity, mm. right? So they charge you a fee if you put money in the savings mm, bank. Yeah. They like I, this is like a management fee bank charges you to put money in here, you know. So but obviously obviously it does hard, its job. Hard for us to imagine. It, hard right? for us to imagine. But obviously that does its job, right? That this encourages uh, people to save. Okay, yep. so back to twenty nine. So the Federal Reserve has raised rates significantly this year because the economy has been so good. Mm. So, but are we really, really above neutral, let's say uh, right in between that range at 2.5% uh, funds fund rate? Yeah, but close historical standard, we ran about 10 years of quantitative easing, meaning quantitative easing, meaning uh, Federal Reserve, the Federal Reserve or other countries, central bank, in releasing large amount of cheap money. Cheap mm. money is meaning they can give you tons of loan, corporate, personal, doesn't matter. The the money, those money printed, the interest on them are low. Now the interest start interest rates start rising. Mm. Okay. So people have the fear that the economy can't sustain that. It's what happened in two thousand eight, right? Uh two thousand eight was more of a systematic crisis actually. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Two thousand eight was more of a systematic crisis. Uh it it did have something to do with the in the later stage there's Two part of the 08, 07, 08 uh, crisis. Okay, uh, we can dive into that a little bit more. Um, we have more time, but yes, uh, it has something to do with it. But the the re the, the the trigger was mm -hmm. a systemic crisis. Was the greed of the Wall Street uh, mm -hmm. created problem? It wasn't uh, really how the economy shouldn't do too well. But I mean, people did get overconfident, right? So, okay, yeah. back to twenty nineteen. I just mentioned the word overconfident. That's really really matters. Is that? Bull markets die on euphoria, okay? Mm. Euphoria meaning you when people get overconfident, when a sentiment gets very, very bullish, very extremely happy, everybody's like, the world can be, be better, the economy is doing so well and all that. Mm. People become so optimistic, um, there tend to be a downturn because asset prices, the bubbles are created, right? Mm, bubbles are created that way and asset prices rise that way, right? Yeah. So the reason I'm saying 19 will be fine is that the economy will slow down a little bit because tax cuts effect will uh, die out a little bit. Uh, federal funds rate goes up, we're having trade, trade scuffles, all understandable. However, business confidence, small business confidence, entrepreneurial confidence at mm -hmm. all-time high. This is an index, by the way. This is a real data index. Mm -hmm. Entrepreneurial confidence at all-time high yeah. and all this. So 2019, we already de-risked 30% of the market. Mm -hmm. If we didn't have to sell off, and you asked me, mm -hmm. last year, 
the whole S&P 500 went up 21%, by the way. So if you just bought the market, you went up 21%. I mean, mm -hmm. granted, our fund did 35%, but, but, but still, awesome. but, but still um, if you just average investor, you made 21% over one year in 2017. That was the sugar high of the tax cut. Mm. Another thing is, uh, I wanted people to kind of remember this quote. It's not for me, again, it's from uh, many of the great investors I read and, and hear, is that market does never trades on what it already knows. Stock market is a forward-looking indicator. It's super forward. It's like being a good hedge fund manager, you need to be agile. So um, in 2017, the tax cut hasn't even been passed yet, but people are already placing bets on it will be passed. And once it passed last October, stock market skyrocketed, right? So that um, already kind of took in a lot of return this year. So granted, this year's uh, econ economy did well, but mm. all the give was already given mm -hmm. last year. Now the outlook, the main street, the sentiment, it's very bearish, right? Uh, there's fear and panic out there. I say next year will be very bad. Mm. So the reflection of that is that the price, it's already priced in. So here, what do we do today? We'll look at it today. Is that this is a very good entry point. And now we tell our clients, our your strategic asset allocation model should be allocate more. Let's say you used to be, have 60% equity, 40% bonds, or 80% equity, 20% cash, or whatever that is. You need to allocate more. Mm -hmm. Say a uh, client, let's say last year he invested $500,000 to us, but by doing the first step, we know he has another $500,000 lying around in the bank. We'll tell him invest half that now. Mm -hmm. Give us 250 more, right? Not everything, but give us a little bit more because this is a good entry point now because all that de-risking process just happened and the price took a huge haircut, right? Mm -hmm. So this is a time to be start, to Actually be bullish. Enter the market. Exactly, just like Buffett always says, be fearful when others are greedy and uh -huh. be greedy when others are fearful. This is the time. I'm not saying to be super, super greedy, but however, you can see fear, panic, and negative sentiment is already out there. Mm. Yeah. So this is a, so a, you're more very diving into psychology. You're yeah. very confident. Uh, in the, uh, I'm very confident year. in terms of what? In the upcoming year. I'm market. very, okay. I'm 110% confident, as in next year we'll have a positive year. So 1% nice. meaning as positive, okay? Nice. So but this year is negative year, by the way, which most didn't predict that, right? So next year we'll have a, very confident we'll have a positive year. And I'm relatively confident that in the next, uh, in Q1, Q2, Q3, so before the end of next year, by summer, we should see about 10 to 15% of growth, uh, of, of a pop, of a bounce back mm. in the broader market, in I the see. whole market index. I see. And as far as our portfolio or our uh, picked high quality stocks, they will grow, they will go up even more. I see. Yes. I see. Yes. Okay. So we just touched on, 2019, next yeah. year. Yeah. So I want to zoom out a little bit mm -hmm. and let's look at 10, 20, 30 years ahead of us. Mm -hmm. A lot of people we know, mm -hmm. a lot of people in our social circle, our friends, wants to enter the financial mm -hmm. industry mm -hmm. as a professional, mm -hmm. like you do, mm -hmm. like you are what you're doing right now. So what do you think in the next five to 30 years, what are, would some of the developments be in the financial market, in the financial industry? Mm. What would be some of the changes? What would the future look like? Great question. And uh, that's something um, that I, I, I'll try to give you There's my no version. There's no right answer. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's something I think about all the time as well. And I'll give you my version of the answer. Yeah. Or the, like what or, are or the, the thought process. forces that are going to... Yeah. yeah. So um, before looking ahead, uh, for people who want to enter in the financial industry, just general advice. Yeah. There's two sides for people who don't know it. I mean, people who are already studying this major and stuff, they already know. 
uh, probably something to talk about. But for those who don't know, there's buy side and there's sell side. Okay, sell side is the Goldman Sachs to Morgan Stanley of the world, where uh, you don't take on risk. So meaning hedge funds buy side, we take your money, decide on which stocks, which equity, which whatever investment assets to buy. Okay, and then we take a lot of risk to buy for you because we did the research, did the homework, mm. and we're supposedly better at trading psychology than, than mm. others, that we, we don't uh, panic when others do, right? So, uh, that's buy side. Sell side meaning uh, investment banks, such as, uh, by the way, investment banks don't actually invest, by the way, just, just for people who know that, mm. it sounds like investment, but they sell products, let's say, um, Uber wants to go IPO, they go to Morgan Stanley and be like, hey, uh, value my company, right? Mm. A pre- it's like a vehicle appraisal, but much more complicated. You know, you take your, you, when you want to sell your Range Rover, you take the car to the dealer, they appraise your vehicle, right? Mm. But sometimes they give you a lowball offer. You go to another dealer, right? Another yeah. dealer say it's worth more, you sell to that one, right? Yeah. So, um, but these are, let's say a company who wants to go, go IPO, initial public offering, go on, go to be, go on to be listed at NASDAQ or New York Stock Exchange. So they would have to go through an investment bank, mm. like Morgan Stanley or Goldman Sachs, to evaluate the company, give them a valuation, and also pitch the sh- company's shares to mm. uh, buy side people, to investors, okay? Mm. So this is one of the things they do. Obviously, they have other uh, sell side work mm. as well. So, so uh, for people who want to enter the industry, number one thing is decide if you want to be on the sell side or if you want to be on the buy side. Mm. I mean, both sides could be fun, mm. could be interesting, could be um, stressful, right? Um, mm. they, there's different risk comes with it. Um, sell side, I would say, uh, provides more jobs initially. Uh, most okay. people out of college uh, are able to get a sales side job at um, Goldman, G, uh, JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, Citibank, uh, UBS, uh, you name it. The, the, down the, you can go down the road. So, um, and the sales side and and, and sales people tend to um, do more, let's say, down to nitty gritty as far as like making powerpoints, doing pitches, mm. uh, doing spreadsheet, Excel sheet, uh, these kind of more the, 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 this kind of work. Then buy side people, let's say if you graduate, you go to a hedge fund like Two Sigma, go to the one we talked about Bridgewater, mm-hmm. Third Point. Um, then you start as a research analyst. Mm-hmm. Okay, you, you, you would research, let's say if you focus on the biotech sector, you focus on entertainment sector, right? You, focus, you can focus on the consumer goods sector. Um, then you would research, oh, what is a better new beverage company than Coca-Cola in the consumer goods uh, in beverage industry? Oh, Monster Energy. They seem to be rising, people want to drink energy drinks, all that. Okay, then I write down a compl- comp- comprehensive report of uh, why must the energy at this current price, at this timing, is a better stock pick mm. than Coca-Cola. Then you hand that to your um, department boss or your hedge fund manager, then they, they take on that idea, they take the risk for you. And then Later on, you can uh, move on to be a portfolio manager, which you don't have to report and you don't have to do the research anymore. People do research for you, you do your own research as well, then you decide those, then you make those decisions, you manage your portfolio. So. Uh, I'm on the buy side. I'm more interested in the buy side. Um, just the way I grew up with family influences, things like that. But uh, sell side is interesting as well. And having both side skills are definitely great. Awesome. Yeah. So that's just um, for financial industry advice. Um, then down 10, 20, 30 years. Hmm. The one thing, it's uh, elephant in your room. It can't, it can't be avoided. And I think we should face it, embrace it. It's uh, algorithm tr- uh, trading. So uh, quant trading. Quant trading, yes. Uh, quantitative models, uh, trading yeah. algos, uh, they are more efficient and uh, you, it's easier to set stop limits so traders know there's a limit, there's stop, there's limits like you, you're getting Apple at one, you bought Apple 165, but your stop loss points one, 162, so, so you set a limit. Um, okay. If it drops 162, it sells for itself, right? These kind of, these are small um, version of quants, but yeah, there's more complicated models. Um, for 
30 years ago, if you build a model, I think we talked about this privately before, 30 years ago, if you build a simple model of buy when it rains New York City, sell when it's sunny, mm. you always make money. You, out, you outbeat the market mm. all the time because you know people's mood, the Wall Street's mood kind of changes with the weather of the city, yeah. it, it does. And uh, um, they tend, if you buy when it's raining, they're selling, right? Mm. And then if you sell when, they're, when it's sunny, they're happy, they're buying, then you always make money. But that's people know that now, you know. So mm-hmm. so so those models. So 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 this is, can't be only factoring a model. So the models are more complex now. You have to put in different factors. But however, my thing is always been the jobs that can be replaceable or the more or less we call less brain work mm-hmm. or less decisive jobs will be replaced in the financial industry. It will uh, the hands will be replaced. Exactly, hands will be replaced, but not the brains, right? Um, especially by that, the total number of people working at the firms will be a little bit smaller. Yes. But it's, it is still human. We decide what factors to put into those models, right? Mm. Let's say, and from a quantitative standpoint, and, uh, and by the way, most people, uh, if you want to get in finance, most people are pretty good at math or have a quantitative thinking ability. That's crucial. Not saying if you don't have it, you can't be successful. Charlie Munger doesn't, uh, or, or Buffett doesn't really have a quantitative thinking uh, in, in terms of his method, but Charlie Munger, his partner does. So, so either way, it's, it's, it's okay. But anyways, um, from a quantitative standpoint is that, okay, I can put in the weather of Wall Street as a factor in my model, but I put in as 25%. So it affects my decision in the, in the model, a 25% factor. But you put in as 90%, you believe in the weather matters so much, mm. then our outcome will be, will be different, right? So it is us humans still deciding on what kind of factors and how much do you weight in each model. Mm, I see, I see. Yeah. So has, currently has quantitative trading started to rely on artificial intelligence or is that still something in development uh something is still in development uh okay. there's our uh quant our you know uh, algo funds who uh only who only use algo trade or mainly use algos uh, like two sigma it's a big one uh, it's in new york city so there are algo meaning uh, meaning um it's almost it's mostly automatic trading uh, the okay. performance managers have the right to stop it. Okay. They have the right to uh, intercept, the, to interrupt the process or to start a new process. But during the day, uh, it's high frequency, it's trading itself. So the machines decide on the factors as well? Yes. Weighing on factors as well? Uh, not really on the factors. Some, some, some machines do. I, uh, okay, well, this is, will be like business secret at 2 Sigma, right? I, I, okay. Some of their models do. Some of their models do Okay. Don't. Okay. What's the extent? I mean, it, what is the trend going? Do you uh, see the big? You still need funds? software engineers to build. Okay, you still need PMs who are investors mm. to decide on what factors to put in, mm. and you need software engineers who work at which is why which is why they hire more software engineers and coders now mm. to input. So the software engineers don't have a decision to make, mm. but they are just inputting. You know, like trainers. Uh, to, to, yeah, they're, they're building these algorithms. They have they they don't really know much about investing, but they're building these algorithms. Mm-hmm. Then uh, performance managers tell them what to uh, what to put in. They build these algorithms. It is. Then once these algorithms are matured or launched, uh, they are on their own. So they don't really do too much adjustment. But again, uh, mm. when things happen, big events like this year, yeah. like, they can intercept the models, they can stop them. Of course, they can do whatever. These are models. They can, okay, they, can, okay, they, can okay. they can they control the algorithms. I see. Yeah. I see, yeah. I see. But uh, the purpose is to uh, have less human work and more objective. Because investing, it's really something um, I tell people, it's against human nature. In Chinese, it's a financing. Um, mm. Yeah, be greedy when others are fearful. Be fearful when others greedy sounds so you can say it so you can say it so quickly in three seconds, but so hard to do. 
it's probably one of the most hard, uh, the hardest thing to do I've ever encountered in my life. That's that is mm. the anti-crowd thinking, the the don't think like the crowd, the the you know the understanding that masses are asses sometimes. You know we call them right mm. because um, but it's hard to do because it's easy to think like everybody else. And uh, uh, in terms of that aspect, uh, algorithms are more objective, um, and uh, you can uh, quantify things easier. Uh, because uh, factors they need to be weighted, you know. So, so let's you, say let's say a Donald Trump tweet needs to be mm. now it's in a lot of models. Uh, how often Trump tweets uh, because it has impacts on the market, right? It wasn't yes. built in the models before. So it's now being considered as yes. part of the yeah. algorithm. Yes, yes. As I've wow. talked to a few of my friends on mainstream, yes, yes. Since 2016, actually, yeah. He his tweets are factored. I mean, you gotta have a lot of data to train that, right? His, his tweets are yes, yes, and and the, content, the more he tweets, the the, the, the content better. as well, and the, sometimes the content as well. I see, but very interesting. Yeah. So yeah. So uh, back to so so the the yeah. question is 10, 20 years, thirty years down the road. Yeah. So mm. on a larger on a large scale, human mm. labor will be reduced. Requirement for, and then dependency of human labor. Reduced. Yes. Yes. I mean that does, doesn't just apply to the finance industry. That's yes. Literally every single absolutely. industry. Absolutely. Yes. Right? So yes. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Yes. I, I think that that right. answer is yes. And uh, but we need to embrace it because would they make us better? There is no way to stop that force. Yeah, and right. I don't want to stop it. They, yeah. They, uh, they are. They make us better investors. And, I see. And and, and even so, let's go back to Bridgewater for one second. Mm. With Dario, he said at early on of his career, he figured out, he took a huge loss in the seventies. By the way, he was mm. he thought the world was going to crash, thought it was going down, and mm. it didn't. And then he took a big loss. Uh, he had to borrow his, some money from his dad for rent, mm. actually, uh, for his own rent. And, mm. and he was running a hedge fund, he couldn't pay for his own <laughs> rent uh, at the okay. early part of his career. Um, but um, he's saying later on he found out he needs to write down the principles that may let, let him to make those decisions, right? His uh, mm. key has a third book coming out uh, that's about just investing advices, okay? So his first, first book principle is it's about life. Life, life principles. But he's saying he's, he started writing those principles down because he's professional, okay? So, um, but essentially, he, later on, he figured out then he's, he was doing what computers were doing with algorithms uh. is that you're building principles and you are executing your trades or your investment decisions um, to place bets in the markets based on these principles. Mm. So essentially, he was building algorithms at early stage of his life for his fund, for his investment so, philosophy. So the principles are like writing down the algorithms. <coughs> exactly. Wow, fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Let's say if my fund, let's say I have that rule, mm. of no stock can go down more than 25%. Doesn't matter if it's a great stock, I'm gonna cut loss at that point, okay? Mm. Then that is a principle of mine. Then mm. people have to execute it. I mean, again, it's up to you to adjust the principles if they do well, right? Mm. There's people who have principles that don't do well, mm. but um, you have to execute them on those levels. And, and that's so that's why we embrace algorithms. We still think humans are decision makers and forever is in the world of investing mm. and other creativity, um, in, in other uh, creative fields as well, uh, are mm, the main factor and the decisive factors. Uh, but algorithms are factors as well, and we want to embrace them as they help us to be more disciplined mm. and more objective. And discipline, objective, discipline, and ob objectivity are probably two of the most important things when it comes to success in the financial industry investment. I see. So, so what do you think are the roles? Uh, I would say objectivity and subjectivity, emotion versus logic place. Would you say always investor, it's better for investor to be more objective and rational than emotional and subjective? Oh yes, always. Always, yeah. there's mm. no question about that. No question about it, yeah. Uh, to, um, so it's to, to be an individual investor, there's really a large dependency on a person's personality. 
right? Sure. Yeah. And and, and a, a, a lot of the very successful ones are are, are not very emotional people. Uh, they're low ego as well, and would you can't be you can't have a too big of an ego. Would there be a little ge- bit of gender difference as well, perhaps? Uh, sure. Yeah, there's a, now uh, the the head of uh, UBS Private Health uh, Global Strategies. There's uh, she's a woman. There's 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 a Boston Private uh, mm. Bank. Uh, she's the head of the there's equity uh, uh, strategies. She's a woman. There's a bunch Eaton Advance. Uh, there's large asset management uh, and hedge fund mm. companies. Okay. The head of them are women. Uh, not as well known investors as Buffett, Dalio, mm. Howard Marks, but um, women are in the field. Okay. Yes. yes. Yeah. All right. Let's. Get back to the main question. Yeah, five to thirty years. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, five to thirty years algorithm will will, will okay. definitely be a big rise. part on the rise. Mm-hmm. Um, independent thinking, anti-crowd um, decision mm-hmm. makers uh, can go can have very low ego and uh, and that you said you know if you if you don't know uh, if you have a high ego just just place bets in markets and trade stocks for a year then you will. Uh, it will humble you, and it's true. It's true. Yeah. It's true. It does humble you uh-huh. uh, because it is. It is how how uh, how, how the world is. Uh-huh. It's uh, um, in the investment world, in the investment field. It definitely humbles you that way. Um, so independent thinking, embrace algorithm, and I would say understanding more how. Well, it's always worked that way, but I think in today's world, because uh, globalization, right, information mm-hmm. exchange faster. Yeah, um, it's become more prevalent in a way that you have to navigate through all this information. Yeah. You can download 20 business apps and financial apps and re- and subscribe to Wall Street Journal, Economist, Forbes, everything. <laughs> financial Times, everything. Then the English version, Chinese version, Japanese version, read everything. And then you'll be lost. Mm. Um, because you're getting information bombed, right? Yeah. Uh, That's you, the problem you, now. You get it's not notifi- access to information. Is it's, it's, it's too much of it. Too much. Yeah. Um, you, you, you get notification on your phone, WKI yeah. crude oil went down to uh, $42 from $100, so oil yeah. price went down tremendously. Now, what does that mean? What, where do you think the connection is? Is it just simply to airline industry? Is it simply, like, how do you interpret it? How do you comprehend mm. a fact that everybody knows? Everybody knows mm. today oil price went down, but what does it mean for the economy? What does it mean for your portfolio, and what does it mean for your asset allocation? That's, so I would say reading is important, getting access to information is still important, obviously, but doing more of your own thinking it's uh, top of the list, and uh, that can be replaced, and the people need to do more of that. So, So, um, let's touch on the philosophies of investing a Mm -hmm. little bit, the the ideas, different methods, right? Obviously, Mm -hmm. you mentioned Warren Buffett a lot, so you Mm -hmm. obviously is a believer in value investment. Yes, yes. I I, I remember reading reading his book back Mm -hmm. in high school, Mm And I wonder, there's something I wonder after reading his book, right? Mm-hmm. He knows he is a prominent figure in the financial market. Mm-hmm. That whatever idea he puts out there, mm-hmm. people will follow mm-hmm. on a large scale. Mm-hmm. So, if I were to imagine myself as Warren Buffett, there are really two motives for me writing the book. Right? First is, obviously, it's most straightforward. The most valuable advice that is going to get an individual rich through investment. Mm-hmm. Now, the second motive may be the principles that are put out that are going to produce the most stable, healthy economy mm-hmm. market. Mm-hmm. So, 
I was wondering if you wondered about that. You questioned that. I mean, oh, you, you because you're if, saying he's more of Warren Buffett. Let's say okay. if there's a rule, there's a principle mm. that if an individual follows, mm. will get him rich quickly in the stock market. Mm. However, mm. when it's being followed on a mass scale, mm. it's not going to produce a very stable market mm. or a healthy market. You, okay, you're right. saying he's more. There's, a little, be, there's yeah. a little bit of. Yeah. Um, Conflict of interest, yeah, with yeah. It, right? Um, I mean, because he is still in the game as well. Mm, sure, sure. Yeah. Um. Yes, and uh, that's that's one fascinating thing about investing. You can still be in the game till ninety five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a really yeah, long term. Yeah. And it becomes an addiction. I mean, you just in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, good addiction in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you can work for the rest of your life, and you can enjoy your work. I mean, he certainly doesn't mm-hmm. need more money, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that motive. I've thought about it not for too much. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the reason is it does work. Um, okay. And, 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 and I'm not saying value investing is the only way that works. It does work and it works very well. I, in my opinion, it's the best way of investing in the world. Okay? Okay. But that suits different people, different personalities differently. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, there's no way, single, I mean, uh, let's just go to something uh, more relatable or simple to you, uh, singing, right? There's vo- the basic fundamentals of vocal, I'm sure it's universal for most people who want to start yeah. to sing, right? Yeah. But later on, you have a different style. Yes, yes. So he's, like, ta- so he's talking about the fundamentals of it. I see, I see. I see. And uh, you need to have a foundation. So I'm going to lay the foundation again to put in these. A lot of word, my words will be coming from him and, and other great investors have read and learned from. Is that you have to understand uh, these things are uh, stock, stock prices and stock, um, stocks are a piece of paper. You're essentially owning a business. Mm-hmm. That's that's one of the biggest reasons actually. Uh, not only I started hedge fund in college, I did another company, Autoprint, as you know, mm-hmm. as yes, well yes. in college. Because you have to understand how business work. At the end of the day, investors, mm-hmm. you can't just sit there and watch price go down and look you at charts. You can't just look at the numbers. You can't just look at numbers, look at PEs, look at charts. You have to understand how industries transform, how business works, how teams work. So how teams mm-hmm. work, how human create more wealth and more uh, make the more productivity. So that is still the essential ingredient. And Warren Buffett, he's more of a, a businessman that understands other business well than you know so-called an, a stock picker investor. Because if you understand business well, you will see, uh, let's say, okay, Amazon went public in 1997, uh, stock price skyrocketed initially. Okay, Bezos got rich and all that. Uh, rich on that level, like yeah. a billion-ish, not too much, a billion, you know, you know for <laughs> most people, but not where he is now, right? Mm. And so it plummeted to under 10 bucks in the 2000s. Mm. But if you are, if you understand the trend of e-commerce, understand, I mean, now it sounds so so easy to say, oh yeah, of course, what are you, an mm. idiot? Like you don't get how e-commerce works, but back then, in yeah. 2000, you don't. Yeah. I mean, if you do, then you'll be rich now, right? Exactly. He, and he also, he said more, when he took on his initial uh, fundraising meeting, most people asked question, ask him the question, what is the internet, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but now you'd be like, what? who doesn't know what is the internet, right? Mm-hmm. So, but you understand that trend, you understand how e-commerce grew, then you will be, you know, paid off tremendously. Because for, the, you, uh, I think, what is it, $1,000 in Amazon back then makes you like 18 million or something like that. Mm-hmm. Today, so if you put in that much money, you're rich, right? Now, mm. along with him, not as yeah. rich as him, but you know, you did less work than him, so 18 yeah. million isn't so bad. <laughs> right? yeah. But anyway, the point is, um, understand how business works. That's the fundamental side of it, and I want people to l- never lose sight of it. Is mm. that um, you choose to put your capital into something that you have to see a value in it. So, that the traditional value investing 
finding the relatively cheaper stocks, the, the multiple uh, price-to-earnings ratio, the cheaper ones uh, out of the thousands are there on exchange and, and purchase them, hold them for a little bit of period of time when people realize the value go up and sell them. But my value, my and Buffett's version of value investing is finding intrinsic value in terms of something that produces that, that produce earnings power. So that means, you know, stock prices are, you know, um, current valuation model discounted, uh, or, well, are, that are uh, current business model with uh, discounted future prices, right? So you want to look at these things and say, uh, okay, so if I'm going to get into Royal Caribbean Cruise, it's a cruise company that, yeah. that provides cruises along uh, Caribbean and North America region. I'm going to look at, is this the best uh, company in the industry? Mm -hmm. uh, is the, what are his competitors are, right? Mm -hmm. uh, is the CEO, uh, how's the CEO, the managing team and all that? Um, are they executing all cylinders? Are they uh, doing their jobs and these things? And also mm -hmm. you gotta look at material cost for producing these cruises, right? Mm -hmm. How often, how old, um, when do they become, when do they age, right? What's, mm -hmm. the, what's the depreciation value, right? And then you look at the industry. Are people going to spend more money on going on cruises? Is this a new trend of entertainment form or yeah. is something that's dying? Right. Yeah. Let's say cigarette companies are dying because people draw pot. Yeah, exactly. Draw pot now. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, you're gonna look at that. So there's the industry. There's the company. Then there's a global economical picture. As in, well, all those facts are checked. But if you bought in October, then it still went down twenty percent. Real Caribbean cruise. Why? Because the market went down twenty five percent. So you bought at wrong timing. As saying, okay, uh, market was in euphoria or it was very bullish. Then all of a sudden, a lot of risks come in. Then you see these bigger risk impacts small stock prices then but now if you look into it say okay now it's at a uh, pretty cheap price mm -hmm, okay mm -hmm. so I should I should get into it mm -hmm. when the market goes back to a rational sentiment mm -hmm. not, to, not the panic sentiment now get back to the rational sentiment then we'll realize okay this company has a future now the, the stock prices will go up and you get a steal at the current price so that's the fundamental of value investing um, uh, I think that's the most, most effective way. Mm. Uh, there are other methods. There are, uh, there's day trading, there's uh, uh, high frequency, there's, I mean, there's more technical driven, mm. right? Um, but have you heard of any day traders who made the Forbes list, right? <laughs> have you ever heard of any mm. famous day traders who made? So uh, there's a reason for that. Um, I was never into those styles. Uh, mm. uh, I do adapt modern trading style and strategy, um, mm. As in, what price action and technical charts mm -hmm. um, do have its value, right? And 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 and, uh, and, and the risk parity and hedge more advanced stuff, some of the the writing option costs, things like that, mm -hmm. right? Writing put 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 spreads to hedge your positions, all uh, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, they do have their value, okay. um, but um, the the fundamental the theme should always be uh, finding investments that are underrated, uh, undervalued, that people overlook. But you see a uh, catalyst, or you see something other people don't see, and mm -hmm. you're getting at a relatively cheaper price, or at an okay price, then eventually you go along for the ride. You just sit along for the journey. So what, what's the relationship between value investment and other kinds of styles? Like day trade, quant? Uh, is value investing more focused more on the fundamentals? The is it a supplementary relationship, or is it counter? Uh, it's not counter. It's not quite. But it should but be. I see some day, day trading and uh, value investment. Doesn't yeah. really go well together. Yeah. Day right? trading is uh, you go with literally the charts of hourly and minutes movements, mm. and you see patterns. Let's see a trend. If say Tesla in the morning it opened up 
slightly higher, then you see the training buying bomb bomb comes in. You buy at the, then you 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 literally act very quick. You mm. buy follow that trend. Uh, went from three hundred to three, let's say three fifteen that day, right? Went up to like say seven eight percent. Then you follow. Let's say you started falling at two percent. The seven percent trend sells. Assume you can sell at the top, which is mm. hard. And you do sell at the top, then you make the capital five percent difference, right? Mm. Where you can short something when it goes down as well. Uh, that's more. You technically read the charts. I think having the ability to understand these trends mm. are essential. Okay, let me rephrase okay. that. You can't just no, just no fundamental and no chart work, no technical knowledge that doesn't work in today's society, in today's investment world either. Mm. Because people just too smart out there. They, the, whole, the whole industry is filled with geniuses. So, <laughs> so it's just it's just too competitive out there. Okay. You have to understand these trends. But is that your trading style or method? Do you implement that way to make money? Mm. Uh, that's a different story. And also, if everybody becomes day traders. What would the how would the market look like? Would it be more volatile. Mm. It's actually impossible to for everybody to become day traders because most okay. uh, big funds can't day trade that volume. I uh, see, if I Warren see. Buffett sells five billion of Apple stock, nobody can can uh, nobody can buy it. So uh, that sell order will be will be expired. You I can't see sell that price. He will have to drop price by twenty percent. Okay. That's called dumping the stock. He will have to be called by SEC. Be like, yo, what's up? <laughs> Why you dump the stock twenty percent? Right? He, he owns five billion of the thing. He puts a sell order on yeah. at a current price. Doesn't matter how good that day is. Nobody can take that. It's a simple fact of supply and demand. I see. We don't have that much money to take on that that five billion sell order. Even I though see, I like I the see. price, right? I see. So large. Oh yeah. So that, that's another big thing I've got to mention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've talked to this with another friend of uh, uh with the with uh, some family members, um, some some people I know, well knowing financing industry as well. Is that day trading or uh, we call short term momentum trading? Mm-hmm. You can use that. Uh, anywhere, I would say, if you're trading assets around, starting from like 10k to 5 million, 8 million ish, you can you can use that strategy pretty well. So 5 million, 8 million is still not small, right? Mm. So pretty well. But above like 15, 30 million ish, you really can't just can't do much. You can't you you can't do it that way just because the simple supply demand. You can't really execute those orders at rapid speed because nobody can pick it up. So uh. um, that that's just so yeah. Most day traders are online trading coaches who are trading like you know. YouTube trading coaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like use like five grand as an example, you know. Because the big ones. Lower barrier of entry. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Got it, got it. Yeah. And and supposedly, if you do well, you could make more on a short term basis. Let's say, let's say uh, my fund will have, there will be some months that have no return, right? Mm. But in a year, yearly, there will be 15, 20% return or something. But a day trader could make about. 15%, 20% 15%, 20% in a month. I see. Right. So that could be his only job. He just trade his own money and do that, right? Mm. But uh, I've known, I, I don't know any hedge funds who take on outside clients to say we implement a day trading strategy oh, and I people see. investing that, right? Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Got so day traders, they can, they can coach, I mean, it's still a business model. They can coach others mm-hmm. to day trade. I see. But they can't take on that much money to day trade. Okay. Yeah. I see. So, so they make money off coaching and trading their own money. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So, no matter if it's no matter what kind of investment stuff you want to go for, mm. what are some of the uh, books you would recommend or information sources mm. you want to recommend for somebody that's just starting to wanting to learn more? About Absolutely, good books. question. Oh, well, I, uh, everything I wanted to say, you hit them in the spot. <laughs> um, uh-huh. Books um, or any inf- doesn't have to be book. Any yes. information sources. Yes, yes, uh, and could be people, and books. Could be yeah, and websites. books. Books are the best way. Are the best way. Okay. Uh, I'll go other channels as well, but. Books first. Um, For complete beginner. Yes, complete beginner. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Benjamin Graham, the intelligent, the, the, the intelligent investor. Uh, the context and the content is a little bit old. Okay, 
uh, he was in the 20s, 30s. Those stocks, a lot of the companies no longer exist, right? Uh, broadcasting was a emerging rising industry back then. You know, people, the fact that people can listen to radio was like a tech company then, right? Mm. So um, the content is a bit older, but it, but the value and the the, the, patterns. the patterns and the philosophy is still there. I, I recommend that as, as the book, as the first book. Still, it's a great book. Uh, the, the, the intelligent investor. Sort of like the Bible of exactly the my Bible of modern day stock investing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, think and given that context, we can think of how long you know the, the capital markets have been there for a hundred years now. Hmm. Long from our perspective, not long from a historical perspective. Yeah, not long from historical, but I'm saying compared our, to yeah. other emerging markets like say China, yes, Japan, yes. or some China. We only we had over Asia, twenty eighth year. We have 28 years of history of Chinese Asia trading, right? Oh, that this year, oh, this year, okay. 28 years. Wow. But U.S. stock market uh, opened and first stock trading in, in 1891, and, and that time, we, we that time we had our Qing Dynasty. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it was last and emperor. Last emperor, and they already start trading stocks. Yeah. So think about Scary. you know, yeah. So so that's Scary. how big. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, um, yeah. So, so the intelligent investor, investor uh, beat the street by Peter Lynch. Uh, Peter Lynch was one of the greatest uh, fund managers for Mellon Fund uh, for 27 years. He consistently beat the market uh, by uh, more than 10% each year, uh, every year. Uh, his average was like 27% a year return uh, over that period of market return, like okay. less than 10. And he, he's done that for 30 years, okay. know, for three decades, for a 20, 27% return. He talks about more of the combo of what kind of industry uh, combinations, mm -hmm. what portfolio strategy, which uh, how much weight you should have in this, how much weight you should have in that, and how do you uh, understand investing and uh, investigating company. Let's say he says when you put your your penny, put your dollar in the company, that investment process, that relationship just started. Mm. It, it doesn't end until you put money there. You gotta, uh, and I always believe in that too. Let's say I'm a big uh, Tesla believer, early Tesla stock buyer. Mm. Uh, it has made me tremendous amount of return. But however, in the middle, I always check. I go to the stores. I, I I haven't bought a Tesla yet, but I call them up. I check difference. So Peter Lynch should talk about all that. Okay. I see. So, be the street. Be the street. Okay. Uh, in, the intelligent investor. investor. Mm -hmm. uh, Ray Dalio's principles. Mm -hmm. um, it's uh, it's it's good for life principle advisors. So that's why the second book of Ray Dalio is even better. What is coming out? Uh, second book is already out. Already. What is yeah. it called? Big Debt Crisis. Uh, Big Debt Crisis. Okay. It's very technical. Uh, lots of charts. Um, but it's good. Uh, you uh, you just need basic like I would say high school math level or college college yeah college basic college level math you can mm -hmm. understand the charts and the patterns he talks about um, every cycle how cycle started how cycle ended uh, for the past mm -hmm. as long as we know right and he has a lot of historic historical data and how and he mentioned uh, some parts with how Bridgewater handled this crisis as well so it's it's good it really is about pattern recognition yes yes like that's yes. The, that's a key of the game exactly so, exactly okay. so next is uh, Howard Marks. Uh, mastering the market cycle. Okay. So his new book just came out. I uh, got a version of the signed version. Nice. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so th that is another one that's similar to the Dalios, but uh, it's a good book as well. Uh, understanding the cycle. I think you really need two books to, to, mm. to be on the cycle. Um, that's four. Five is uh, the essays of Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett has never written a book. Any book that's claimed written by him is wrong. Oh, the essays. Yeah. Uh -huh. The essays of Warren Buffett is somebody collected, and this is the uh -huh. golden version. Uh, mm. I forgot his name, but it's a well-credited author. Collected all his Berkshire Hathaways to shareholder meet, uh, letters. Oh. Every year he writes a letter to shareholders oh. to explain what's going on and everything. I would decision making process and mm. uh, how 
how much they earned this year. Mostly uh, their tremendous crazy returns, <laughs> and shareholders like it. And uh -huh. he bragged a little bit too, right? Uh, in all these letters, uh, uh, he's collected over fifty-eight years of Berkshire Hathaway. Uh, oh. So um, that's a great book. It's called The Essays of Warren okay. Buffett. Yeah. So these are the I would say the top five books I recommend people reading I see. Uh, at, at, at the beginning. Uh, and later on, you, uh, I, I read another, uh, and these are more mainstream. Uh, another book, I would add one more in, uh, it's called The Big Mistakes. Uh, uh -huh. uh, it's, it's, it's written by a, a financial analyst at a wealth management firm. Uh, not super well known, but it's a great book. Uh, I just finished reading it recently. Uh, it talks about the mistakes of each individual uh, great investors in the history. The biggest oh, mistakes. The mistakes, the, the mistakes. Yes. That's interesting. Yeah. The Buffett's biggest mistake, Charlie Munger's, oh. they all make mistakes. Trust me. Okay. If you never made a mistake investing in life, yeah. then if you never made a mistake in investing in life, it means you never tried. Uh, right. No, you, you, uh, it means you, you, it means you just started. It means, yeah, it means, means you, the game. you experienced like less than a year. That's probably mm. <laughs> okay. yeah, or two years. Yeah, that's probably the, the reason. Yeah, so big mistakes. It's a good book. Uh, there's yeah. like 13 examples in there. And mm -hmm. not just traditional financial investors we know, there's Mark Twain in there. Uh, Mark Twain was an active businessman in mm. days. He made a lot of money writing books, and he was like investing like freaking printing machines. He, he bought like local uh, grocery stores. He bought this, mm. this uh, lost money in this, made money in that. Mm. You know, different experience. Ended up losing more money than he did because he was an author. So mm. there's tons of mistakes made by Mark Twain mm. and things like that. So in, important figures in history and their investment mistakes. It's a big mistake. Good. Great. So six books, uh, channels. Uh, CNBC is good uh, to <laughs> understand market sentiment. Uh, most U U.S. business people and finance people watch CNBC, so it's really the exaggeration of market sentiment. Um, you there's some basic education knowledge out there, but uh, you can't take the sentiment too uh, wholeheartedly or too seriously in a way. To water because, it down a little bit before because you exactly because uh, when they put the Bitcoin watch price change logo on. Uh, last year at December 11th, and then three weeks later, Bitcoin crashed, right? <laughs> That's when you know when a mainstream media, like, because they're owned by Comcast, right? So it's a huge media company. Uh, when a huge mainstream TV channel, like CNBC, put on these, um, you know, cannabis stock watch or Bitcoin or these, or they say, oh, market panic, whatever, then you really know the sentiment it's going that way. So mm. it's a good channel to understand the sentiment and give information. Do you always go against the crowd? Always not always, not always. Don't, there's a lot of times you can't be a hero. Uh, and there's a there's a saying in Wall Street, which is very, very important. It's called, don't. What this, we're getting to a more advanced side of it. Mm. I, I, uh, the reason I didn't go that much deep is because we, the first episode, at least the first episode yes, on this, yes. it's more basic. It's called, don't catch a falling knife. Ready? If the market goes down from the top, let's say, uh, and given a historical period, mm. we know, of, in 07, the market from the top to bottom went down 45%. Mm -hmm. Drops 25, you, you buy in with your house money. What happens? You lose another 20%. Mm, yeah. You don't recover till like freaking six, seven years later. You never yeah. see you hold on to it. Yeah. So that's called catching a falling knife. The knife falling, you catch people, it, bang! Most people wouldn't do that, right? If you go against the crowd, you might do that. If you go against the right? crowd, yeah, that, that's a mistake though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, uh, and, and great investors, some make that mistake as well, to getting mm -hmm. too early, right? They think this is a normal correction, 20% is enough, but then they didn't realize yeah, that, well, it was a systematic crisis. Uh, so I could be wrong as well. I'm pretty bullish towards next year, like I've stated before. But, uh, and also I put, my, I put money where my mouth is that I've done those actions to be invested, not just saying that, right? I've actually uh, did, uh, added more equity exposure and bought more stocks recently. But the point is, I could be wrong. And now the market's down almost 30% sure. 
Next year, what if it's down 15% more? My final performance will be minus 15, my portfolio portfolio will be minus 15. I'll be looking at an idiot. But that's a risk you take, right? Okay. So, but there's but, no way to know for sure. Exactly, but but it is a, a terminology that is important. Yes, mm-hmm. to catch a to catch a form. So yeah, so CNBC is good one. Mm-hmm. Um, Bloomberg Business Channel. Okay. Uh, Bloomberg Business is tons, again tons of information. Then I would recommend reading uh, at least one of these newspapers or magazines. Uh, Wall Street mm-hmm. Journal, thirty-two dollars a month subscribing. It's a little bit pricey, you know, considering Netflix 13 and things like that, <laughs> right? So uh, your Wi-Fi is like, you know, about 30, 40. But well, they assume it's $32 a month. Watch your journal. That's yeah. on the higher end right now. Yeah, it's the higher end for, for subscription, One of right? the highest. Yeah, yeah. They're one of the highest for Hulu, Los Angeles Netflix. Times, New York Times are like yeah, yeah, a yeah. dollar or two dollars. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Times. Are you reading the paper version or the print version? Uh, both, same price. Okay, okay. You can choose to deliver it to your house. It's okay. Or, okay. Or just log in online. Okay. Because otherwise it won't show you the content, right? Okay. Yeah. So, Wall Street Journal. I'm rec- recommending reading one of these. It's enough. Wall Street Journal, uh, Economist Magazine or the Financial Times, the English version, uh, the, the British version, the uh, British Financial Times. Uh, either one's okay. Um, mm. You just pick one, you, a lot of contents are kind of similar. You don't have to read all of them. Again, you don't want to get inflation, bombarded by information. Mm. Um, so yeah, so that these are these are good ones. Um, we, and, and I would just recommend, finish the books first and follow the news. And, um, yeah. and, and again, this is more for people who are ready or are interested or have uh, the intent to become financial professionals. Okay. Uh, what if you someone just wants to invest? Uh, you would just recommend choose a fund and put your money with a professional. Uh, I would recommend to choose a fund who, want, who are willing to educate you. A lot of the stuff I do and my fund does and uh, other uh, funds do is they educate you, they tell you the same things as well. Mm-hmm. So I would recommend, uh, well, no, one, one, one thing I would recommend saving first. Mm-hmm. Two yeah. is the recommending uh, when you have the funds available, uh, get educated on it first. Yes, understanding how, what, what, when you go to a meeting, uh, you know they will educate you. But still, you want to know what's inflation. You want to know what's Federal Reserve funds rate mean, right? What the interest rate, or, uh, how does unemployment curve relates with uh, um, economic activity, with GDP growth, yeah. right? Uh, how what is the inverted yield curve? Right, that's more technical. It's a bond market, okay. a two-year treasury note, and three and a ten-year. Right, when it, when yield curve inverts, it's sign of a recession. Now it's close to inverting, and people are saying uh, that's probably a, predict- a sign of a, a, sign of a recession. Okay. But in the history, there's actually one or two times out of ten uh, that when the yield curve flattens or inverts, didn't happen. So uh, there's you know there's no golden rule to everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, understanding these terms. But yeah, you don't have to be that educated on it. But um, I would recommend. Yeah, having some basic knowledge if you're interested, uh, definitely get more knowledgeable on it. But mm. as far as putting your real money to work, there's a reason there's only 3% retail investors in the United States because um, it's very competitive. Professionals are, we professionals already have it hard enough. So it's even harder for retail investors to consistently create alpha from public markets mm. because uh, and private markets as well, PE, VCD, mm-hmm. right? Uh, a regular, non-educated, uh, not non, but not educated, enough educated mm-hmm. uh, retail investors to be investing startups would fail as well, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah because they don't know how business works, and they they go to a Starbucks, meet some some funder, and then they mm-hmm. dump their money, and they lose money as well. So a lot of that. Yeah, so it's the same thing. So the same thing as as the public market. Okay. Uh, you have to be educated and and give it to professional people. Let them do their job. For you is to create as much. Let's say if you're a teacher, you're a, a policeman, you're whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you do your job well, create as much income as possible and save as much as possible 
and let us do our job. I see. So really, it's about understanding when to enter the market and how to choose the, where to put your money. Yes. How to choose the right yes. institutions. Yes. Right. Yes. Awesome. Yes. I think it's a great conversation today. I learned Appreciate a lot. It. Yeah. I learned a lot. Missed some points, so. so I'm going to listen to it afterwards. Great, great. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I'm a little bit uh, tired uh, on the tired end for yeah, today. Yeah, right now Not it is 12.30. Yeah, 12.30. So letting everybody know. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and a Christmas Eve we're doing and, this. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I forgot everybody. We <laughs> and now to... it's Christmas Day. Happy, yeah, yeah. Merry, happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays, everybody. Yeah, we, we wanted... Actually, at the beginning, we, we want to say yes. Merry Christmas. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. it's Christmas Eve. We did this for you guys. Um, hopefully, you guys listen to this the next coming weeks or New Year in 2019. Mm-hmm. Maybe when you guys hear this, 2019. And uh, my prediction is there. It could be oh, wrong. The prediction you made on Christmas Eve is going to come true. Can yes, yes. I, I, I think... That, and again, that's objectively... Uh, it's not a simple wish, right? Mm. It's objectively yeah. uh, driven uh, database and conclusion. Conclusion, yeah. So, but hopefully you guys uh, enjoyed the episode. Uh, hopefully, I certainly enjoyed it. Yeah. I hope you guys it. will as well. Yeah, and uh, I'm looking forward to. Well, we're gonna have a couple of different topics coming up. Yeah. Um, some personal growth, some society observing, like you know, we mm-hmm. always do philosophy, history stuff as well. But at some point down the road, I think we should do another. We are definitely doing another episode too. We uh, jump in. Yeah. Into more depth. Exactly, and more advanced stuff because this is really what I live and breathe, right? Exactly. Um, this is not a hobby for me. Unlike my podcast, it's a mm-hmm. hobby, right? Mm-hmm. We do it as a hobby, yes, uh, just for uh, our purposes and our friends. But you can't escape this. Yeah. this is capitalism. <laughs> exactly. But for finance, yeah, exactly. Podcast is my escape of capitalism. But, uh, <laughs> but finance investing, the reason I have so much to say, and I, I feel like I only spoke about. Five percent or ten percent of what time, I know. Not even that. Not even that, yeah, yeah. because that's really, really what I do most mm-hmm. of the time, all the time. Yeah. So, um, thanks everybody. Um, hopefully, uh, you had a uh, great holiday, Christmas, and uh, we will see you next year. Yes, yeah, see you next year. Okay.